1: Bonjour, 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 and uh, welcome to the Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Before we start, uh, let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream, or subscribe to our podcast on our website, sbs.com.au tdf, or log a ride with our friends at uh, Zwift. Joining me, like every stage in the beginning of this Tour de France, is Dave McKenzie. How are you, Dave? Oh, I'm starting to feel a bit
2: weary where, you know, we're, we're, we can taste the end in Paris, the Champs-Elysées. I can almost taste the champagne, but we're not there yet. <laughs> We've got three monster days in the Alps to go. So we push on, we push on just like the riders. But gee, what a, what a fantastic
1: stage we had into Gap. Yeah, and I would say as well, don't wish it away too quickly because you know what's going to happen on the, the Tuesday maybe. The Tuesday, maybe not the Monday, but the Tuesday after uh, we finish this Tour de France we all would be disappointed. We wish that Tour de France would be six weeks.
2: Well, let's no, Well, let's just, just win the countdown. I start the countdown clock for the following year on the Tuesday. The Monday, I'm, I'm sick of it. I'm
1: over it. The Tuesday, you, you, you start the clock for the countdown. But yeah, okay. Let's talk about this this uh, this stage onto GAP. We knew it was going to be a scorcher in terms of the temperature. We had rain as well uh, on the course. Uh, downpour, actually a big, big downpour of, uh, of rain. Uh, but it didn't stop uh, the breakaway. It, and As you predicted yesterday, had to be a breakaway. Yeah, it was always going to be. And all the teams were just going to
2: let a group go, a big group, and it was. It was, you know, 20% of the race went up the road, 35 riders. A couple of teams missed it. Uh, Total direct energy missed it. And I think uh, Sunweb had one rider there in Nico Roach, but they weren't happy. So it was a sort of half... Um, half attempt at trying to bring it back and it was never going to come back because once they got sort of 30 seconds 40 seconds they all actually worked hard and um, you know there's some quality bike riders in there as well and none other than Matteo Trentin, the guy who ended up winning and winning his
1: third stage win in the Tour de France. And the fourth for Mitchelton Scott which is, we have said it before, it's already been a success for this Tour de France, now they're cutting more and more and they are relaxed and I reckon Riders in that team want their share of the wins as well. Totally, they do. And uh, look, four wins. I mean, for a team that came here
2: really purely with general classification ambitions, that was their number one goal. That failed and they've switched. They've switched immediately and now they've, they've jagged four wins. And you know what? They're actually up for another one. And I'd say that in all seriousness because... Are you thinking Jack Heg? Well, I'm hoping. I'm hoping Jack Haig And look, Jackson, I just spoke actually with uh, Matt Wilson who was incidentally, he was in the team car that followed the breakaway and so we chatted about Matteo and then I asked him about Jack and said can we expect to see Jack Hague, uh, you know, on the attack and he, he said absolutely, he said he's feeling good he's had relatively, the last few days haven't been too bad for him as in he hasn't had to do a lot of work so they're hoping to see Jack and what Matt Wilson did predict, I said do you think there's a chance for a breakaway tomorrow it's a long stage etc and he said there's a breakaway chance for the next three mountain days. Every single mountain day, he believes the breakaway can win the day.
1: And is it because uh, there are teams that are not in there for the win, like like uh, Michigan Scott, but they want their share. They want their share of the pie, uh, and they tasted that victory, so they want more.
2: Yeah, they do. But it's also a case of the general classification riders right, going, well, we don't care what you do. We're not interested in a stage win. We're purely fighting amongst. You know the top ten to twelve riders now, so that's all they're following. Mitchelton don't have a rider in that anywhere near that, so they are zero threat to to the general classification. And
1: then so it means that basically we will probably see the GC battle happening in a group five six down the road. Because if there's a breakaway, there might be a lot of mid groups, but then the real battle will happen way down the road. It will. You won't. What
2: you won't, say, so I don't think at least is you know an eighteen-minute uh, winning break you'll see maybe a break win by a couple of minutes or maybe not. Maybe they'll even get caught. So it'll be a lot tighter because what will happen is a break will go and then you'll get a uh, a team, one of the GC teams, and it could be Ineos, it could be Groupama, FDG, just trying to force the pace because they don't want to give Julian Alaphilippe an easy ride to the last climb of the day. They want to put him under a little bit of pressure before, even if they're not attacking him. They'll, they'll force that pace, you know, to set a reasonably high tempo. So the brake won't have it all their own way, but it certainly can
1: survive. So if you look at this stage as well, so the breakaway went uh, all the way. Uh, what happened in the peloton behind? Because we saw Alaphilippe at the forefront of uh, this peloton. It was just a matter of controlling the race.
2: It was, it was. Uh, it was sort of up to de Koenig then just to, you know, not let it blow out to 30 minutes, 40 minutes. And uh, I mean, to be honest, I don't even know... Uh, who the closest rider was on general classification. It, it was obviously no one within, you know, 20, 30 minutes. Uh, but de Koenig effectively controlled the peloton. Well, I don't even know if it was called controlled. All they did was set a tempo on the front to get the peloton to the finish line a little bit quicker because it was another long stage. And... Um, you know, talking to a couple of the riders that were in the break at the end of the day, you know, who didn't win, uh, they said it was a tough day, you know, it was so, so hot out there, so it's still it's still not an easy day, even for the guys in the peloton, you're still out in the sun and the 36
1: degree heat for five hours. I mean, it was hot for you and me in the car, you know, we were sweating already in the car, so imagine being on a saddle again.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, and, and compound that with, you know, two weeks, two and a bit weeks now of tough racing, the, the, the bodies are just starting to break down, you know, and mentally as well they're starting to think of the Champs Elysees a lot of the riders a lot of the riders are starting to think I'm, I'm going to make it or you know I've got to get through these sort of bumps in the
1: Alps and then and then I'm there so they start to think the same as we do actually for a riders it's a good question but uh, if you're not competing to win this race how important is it mentally to actually finish this race not just being a Tour de France rider you're also a Tour de France finisher in a career if you look back at a career how important is this it's very, uh, look, yes. Not if you're called Cipollini, but anybody else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good, good point.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure if Chippo ever finished no, one, did he? No. So, no, it is. It's, it's, it's a real, look, any of the Grand Tours, I think, but obviously the, the Tour de France is, is the granddaddy of them all. And that prestige of saying, I rode and competed in the Tour de France, uh, sorry, rode, competed and finished the Tour de France, that's what any rider and every rider wants to say, even if they don't win a stage, even if they don't finish top 10 or, 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 or you know, end up on the podium for, for any of the other awards. So it is super important. No rider wants to pull out. And, you know, you could have a rider with, you know, the, a mild dose of bronchitis, you know, with three days to go, he's going to do his utmost to finish, unless he's a high general classification rider and it's, it's, it's over and they've been here before.
1: But if it's their very first one, you want to finish it. Yeah, absolutely. A uh, few questions about this breakaway. Coffee this. Can we talk about coffee this? In a breakaway like this, they had three riders all at the back. Why? Lack of experience? What, what, what's going on? And like, Let's not joke about it. What's going on? They could have done a lot more in this, in this breakaway. Oh, am, I, am I right or not? Well, I was going to launch into a big joke, but I won't.
2: No, no.
1: Look, I guess to be fair, um, I think... I mean, the pedigree in that, that breakaway was relatively good, but could they have at least tried to outsmart everyone? Look, it's really hard. It's really hard, and, and people don't realise, and
2: I, I asked Simon Clark, well, I sort of got Simon Clark to elaborate on this. I said, some of the viewers don't, back home, and some of the fans who, who love the sport but aren't really embedded, you know, in the bubble of the sport, they don't realise how difficult it is just to make a breakaway. Like trust me just because 35 riders get up the road and take 18 minutes it is it is so so hard to make that break and look at total uh, total direct energy okay they've done really nothing in this race they haven't had a great race but they're they're eight of the best riders on that team you know eight of the best riders that get selected to ride the tour de france there's no slouches and they missed the breakaway you know and they didn't, they didn't miss it because they were sleeping at the back they they would have known 100% you're an idiot if you didn't know there was going to be a breakaway yes, uh, today, okay? So um, it's so, so hard. And so back on the coffitus, look, they probably just didn't have the legs. When, when there was three down the back, they probably would, you know, when you're tired, you hesitate more, you pause more, you want to follow the wheel more. You don't want to put yourself in the wind because you're tired. You want to get that little bit of, more of a free ride. So you're looking for the easier ride. And generally, that's when the attack happens and you miss it. So... You know, I'll cut them some slack. At least they had three in the break because there were a couple of teams that had just one. There were teams that had no one. So they had three guys there and they just looked they
1: were beaten by better bike riders. A win by Trentin. Uh, we know Trentin is uh, running out of contract at the end of the year. How important was this for him to actually nail one this year to in a negotiation with or without um, with the team?
2: Yes, yeah, very important. And... Look, it's, it, and to be fair, it's really good. They've given him opportunities, so we know that. I, so I'm not I'm not about to criticise Mitchelton, but it's good that he did get this opportunity and did deliver because he sacrificed a fair bit, and I'm sure management at Mitchelton would agree. He's sacrificed probably his own chances quite a lot of times, uh, you know, as a, as a real sort of um, freestyle racer and a classic sort of rider. Um a lot of stages at the Tour suit him to go on the break and go on the attack, and he ha- he didn't do that early on because he was there to help the team and help uh, the general classification hopes of Adam Yates. But as soon as that that was over, they've given him opportunities. And he, It's not the first time he's tried, so but he's delivered for them. So to be interesting, it, it certainly helped his contract. Aspects, And I just wonder if he'd be ready now to move on or if he'd be happy to stay at Mitchelton. I think, I think it'd be good for them to keep him. And I think it'd be actually good for him to stay as well. And what a catch it was already
1: two years ago. And he's sort of delivered for the
2: team. He has, he's delivered for the team Uh, and it's not the first time, he's delivered some great results for the team And I think as he moves into the latter part of his career, he'll still play a super important role if he decides to stay with the team You know, when they develop more and more as a general classification team, I think he can still play a a really important
1: role Okay, let's talk about the Australians, Uh, Clark, quite a good day today, he didn't pay off in the end but uh, he did show some strength He's tried. He, you know, if
2: try, try again, and if that doesn't work, keep on trying. And that's we exactly should call it. him Trooper Trooper Luck. Uh, he, he is a trooper. He is a trooper. Look, he's. I think he's. I saw some stat today on and on pro cycling stats. I'll just give them a little shout out because the data that they put on their live feed is exceptional. Uh, and so there was a stat they had there, and I could be wrong by one out by one either way, but I think he's on his thirteenth Grand Tour you know you forget Simon's been around a long time I raced against Simon it was it was at the end of my career and he was just coming up but you forget that he's been around a long long time he's won the King of the Mountains uh at the a Espana he's won a stage there he's won the Orza at the Giro d'Italia. you know he's had a brilliant career and you know I, I sort of had you know halfway each bet on Simon today because I thought if he's on a good day he, he can go with the best of them um you know, and it's just the tactics that gets played out. And he had, incidentally, I think another mention to Tom Scully, the New Zealander. A New Zealander never has won an individual stage at the Tour de France. They've won. They've been part of teams' time trial winning stages, as George Bennett was. So I think he did a, do a good ride as well.
1: Yeah, and then just to mention on Clark, but how does he keep his hair? So voluminous at the end of the stage. It's, I mean, it's got a quiff going at <laughs> the start and at the finish. What's going on? It's perfect, isn't it? I know. I'm
2: just sort of like, right, dude, you're rubbing it in. I mean, I walk up with my zero shaved clipper hair that I did, you know, in the bathroom on my own. Um, I know. It's I don't know. It's it's uh, what do we, what do we call this generation? Hipsters, I don't know. Well, let's just leave it (laughs) at that. Hipsters,
1: this is how they are these days. Everything's perfect. (laughs) I know, incredible. Uh, Before we look at the stage tomorrow, just one mention uh, I've read today. Quick Quickstep, 50 wins this year, 75 last year, but they're already on 50 wins this year. They're definitely having a cracker. They're looking at Donat more, of course, because they've got that yellow jersey uh, down the line, but 50 wins so far, it's just a super team. They are. They've been a super team for years, and
2: Look, the way they structure that team to win races is phenomenal, and you've got to give it to Patrick Lefebvre. I mean, he's had his critics over the years for sort of other reasons in and around, you know, the management of the team and the riders. But he's a businessman, and he knows how to
1: he know he knows how to get wins on the board. Okay, let's talk about uh, what happened between Martin and Lucro. Do you have any ghosts? What what's going on there? Because we saw Martin sort of trying to squeeze Lucro. Why? You want to hear the intel? Yes. You sure? Yes. I don't have it. <laughs> oh, I'm going
2: to have to go. I'm going to have to go get it. It's. I know. We tried to chase this story after the finish line. Sophie Smith had the microphone jammed in with a dozen or more other reporters at the Ineos bus. and it was more than a little, you know, hip and shoulder. It was you a, went twice for him. Yes, it was mad, and it was deliberate. Had to be. Had to be. So. We're going to follow up on that, and hopefully it'll be in tomorrow's pod, but something's going on. I did ask Matt uh, Wilson then off mic, but I'll just try and see. And he said, mate, I don't know. I was, in the, I was following the breakaway. And as I walked off, he said, mate, they're all just hot and bothered. That's all it is, and I had a bit of a laugh. I, I don't think he really cared. They've got the stage win. That's the least of their worries. But, yes, interesting, very interesting.
1: Absolutely. Let's right. look at this uh, stage coming up tonight on SBS. Is stage 18. Um, this is where we are the business end. We've been waiting for those stages uh, for such a long time. They're here. We're starting from Embrun. We're going to Valois. We're going high, high and higher. We are and two famous mountain passes
2: in the Tour de France, and t- it, gi-
1: it gives me the chills when you just said a name. It gives me the chills. Oh,
2: I love it! And you know what? I've raced over this one in the Giro. To tell you, Col Isward first. Well, it's not first up. First up, and I shouldn't. I should mention it, Col de Vars, two thousand one hundred metres, nine kilometres at seven and a half percent. Then the famous Col Isouard, 2,360, 14 fourteen kilometres at seven point three percent. That's average, by the way. Then. The big monster, Col de Galibier, 2,642, that's 2,642 metres. So three passes topping out well over the 2,000 metre mark, 23 kilometres at 5.1%. It's a very gradual climb. It does kick up the last seven kilometres. That's a grand total, by the way. There's a Category 3 just to soften them up at the start of the day. 50 kilometres of climbing in a 208-kilometre stage. I know. It's crazy. This is this is going to be a monster day. They finish downhill into Valois, but all the action is going to go down on the Galibier for
1: sure. And just please tell me, where do they start? En Bon. En Brun. En bon. um, That's pretty close, isn't it? Close enough. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So uh, who's going to win this stage? Who's going to be there? You mentioned breakaway potential. Where else can we look at? Because this is, like I mentioned, this is the business end of it. It is.
2: And look, I guess, let, let's talk about the general classification because even if a, uh, the breakaway wins, my tip is as good as yours or anyone else's because there'll be we saw 35 riders get up the road today. So in terms of the general classification, I would like to think that Groupama FDJ with uh, David Goudou are going to set a menacing pace up the Galibier in the end. And then you'd think that Tibor Pino will go on the attack. He's not the best ascender but he's not terrible, and then other general classification riders who fancy themselves on the descent and are going well on the climb are going to go on the attack as well, but you just don't know. I mean, uh, Steven Kruzvike, he's looking really good. I'd expect him to go on the attack, um, and what about INEOS? they got that two-pronged attack, so effectively it's open to all of them, you know, and the day itself, again, it's 50 kilometres of climbing, so it's a really hard one to pick. And where's Richie Port at? You know, where, how good is he going to go on these longer
1: climbs? There's a lot to be said about uh, about this race. We've said it already, but uh, there's a lot to be written. There's so much climbing to go. So much can happen. I mean, we are, we've been expecting those stages to deliver. They can't, they can't fail us. They, just, they have to deliver. They will.
2: They will deliver. And um, look, a, a lot of these interviews we didn't get because we got them on a different microphone. But I did speak to Richie Port post-stage, and I asked him, who do you think are the ones to watch? And he, I mean, he knows them too well, doesn't he? Garant Thomas, he thinks Garant Thomas is still uh, the man, you know, with all the cards. Don't say it. Oh, no, I've, well, I've said it. I've already said it. You, I've said it. <laughs> Can't take it back. Um, but uh, you know, even when you talk to the riders, they all say a different rider. So no one really knows. And you might have you might have a rider. What what we do know is that you might have a rider do a brilliant ride on this day. And then he might actually bomb out the next day and lose a minute. Because the three days in the Alps are bigger than probably what
1: we've seen in the last 10 to 15 years. Michael, okay, look uh, look, look! who's popping in again in this podcast. It's getting great, this podcast.
2: Oh, we, well, I'm not sure if we bump into them or they bump into us. Tor Hushov, great to have you here. You've had a big day. What's harder, racing the Tour de France or working
3: for TV? Uh it 's for sure racing, but it 's a different hard you know like it 's a lot of lot of uh, driving uh, you know transfers hours in the car, and then you have to sit and talk uh, on t v and think we know what's uh, what 's happening and what what's coming tomorrow you know so it's uh, no, it 's different but uh, of course uh, when you're stop cycling, you cannot complain that uh, this is hard uh, especially when it's uh, warm as we've seen in the last couple of days
1: what do you make of this tour we said it's crazy it's completely open we run out, we're actually running out of words to describe this tour
3: yeah but it's, it's true uh, first of all I think we should give some honor to the organisa- uh, organization who, who made a great tour with a not only you know like six, seven flat uh, sprint days in the first week, like like we've seen before. We have some hard finishes with some climbs in the end, some steep, short, short climbs for the riders like Alaphilippe. You know, of course, now he turn into be a GC contender. But so I think we see an open, open race. And today there are six riders uh, who can win the tour. Which of these six? It's uh, impossible to to put one uh, name on the block. Which is great. Now we have three days to go in the Alps and uh, no, nobody knows, even the riders have no idea who's going to win. You have uh, Thibaut Pinot who's on paper being the strongest in the Pyrenees, but I don't know who's going to win. Do you, do you think Julian Alaphilippe
2: can hang on? Because I guess in, in theoretically, you look at that day a few days back now in the Pyrenees, we forget which day it was, He lost the first cracks appeared. And generally, I say when the cracks appear on a non-general classification rider like him, the floodgates will open, and I, and I almost predict he'll lose ten or fifteen minutes. What do you
3: think? Yeah, you're right. I think it was a day to Foi when um, yeah he lost one one minute sixteen seconds to uh, Thibaut uh, Pinot. I'm agree that was the first sign where he yeah uh, the first sign of where of weakness. And it could also be the sign uh, everybody be, been expecting like over a, l- a long time of a period. But I mean, all, uh, when you look through the Pyrenees, he it gained time to, to many of the riders uh, with an incredible time uh, trial he did. So uh, I think it's, uh, it's too early to say it's, uh, he have no chance. I, th- I think he's going to blow one day because it, the, the Pyrenees is different. The, the climbs are shorter, steeper, uh, except from Tomale. Uh, but when you come into the Alps, you know the Saturday stage, the Val Torrents. It's a 33-kilometer-long cr- climb, and I think that's advantage uh, Garen Thomas compared to uh, Ala Philippe. But he surprised uh, so much this year, so we disguise guy We just never know.
1: Absolutely, thank you uh, for spending some time for us. Quick uh, little fact: I once owned one of your frames, the Crédit Agricole frame.
3: Ah, so n- nice, it. nice. I have some ba- ba- some nice memories from de uh, Agricole first from the team, but also riding with a lot of uh, Aussie friends, so it's uh, <laughs> I have some great memories from that team.
1: Uh, that friend was way too big for me, thank you.
3: <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, exactly. There
1: you go, Toroshoff, thank, thank you. Cool. That was Toroshoff. <sighs> he's Shailu the hero for me. He's, he's a legend. And what did you do, just steal his bike or what? How did you get it? That is a whole subject for a different uh, matter. You can contact me on Twitter if you want to know a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Now, so good to get him here. and Good to see all the,
2: a lot of the former pros, you know, working on the uh, the TV networks.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, Maka, for this analysis. Thank you. This was the uh, Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Uh, remember, you can uh, stream, download, or subscribe to our podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash TDF or schedule rides with our friends at Zwift. Until the next podcast, it's bye for now.
0: A quick shout-out from our sponsor before we go. If you're looking for a new way to ride without traffic or punches getting in your way, hop on Zwift. We use it, your cycling buddies probably use it, and the pros, they definitely use it. Zwift turned indoor training into a full-on gaming experience. Connect your PC, Mac, or Apple device, and you'll pedal with thousands of cyclists around the world. And there's a good chance you'll see a pro on there too. Loads of them are on Zwift on their rest days riding around Watopia. Give them a ride on if you see them. If you've got a trainer, start your free trial on Zwift.com.